96.5 WKLH. Good morning, Dave and Doreen. Good morning, KLH, along with Marcus. Let's welcome our Green and Gold Insider from ESPN, co-host of Wilde and Tausch, Jason Wilde. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing better than Paul Chris. Good morning. Yeah. Oh, man. Didn't see that coming or did you? Uh, no, I definitely did not see that coming. I know that they're frustrated, but whew. Yeah, and, no. And uh, yeah. you as a former Badger, you okay with it? I mean, you know, we went to... Um, no, you know, it's worked out for the Packers okay, right? Mm-hmm. That they knee-jerk fired McCarthy. Like, uh, you know, look, they got Matt LaFleur. It worked out great. Um, although I would be curious to know just how good of a coach Matt LaFleur is if he's got Jordan Love as his quarterback this whole time instead of Aaron Rodgers. But I'm never a fan of – this felt very knee-jerky, like even as frustrated as they were with losing to, to Bielema and, and Illinois. Illinois mm-hmm. I, I just – college football has changed so much, right. and it, it the ground is shifting under everybody's feet. I just – I just wonder how appealing this job is to anybody outside of Jim Leonard and what the expectations are for him. So I hope it goes well. I, I really like Paul Christ. I think he's a great human being. Um, I'm just really curious to see if things get better because the last time they had a coaching change um, abruptly when Brett Bielema left, they ended up with Gary Anderson and they regressed even further. So mm-hmm. it's a big hire, no doubt about it. Jason, you mentioned Matt LaFleur. Coach Matt LaFleur said he regrets the emotional decision to challenge Romeo Dobbs' drop touchdown in the fourth quarter. And knowing how they are able to rate and rank and categorize everything in football, do they actually analyze a coach's decision-making during a game? We do. And obviously that one, I, I was I, I'm sitting up in the press box, and I, I just I couldn't believe it. Like... That was, as he said, an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, it cost them a timeout where they would have been able to stop the clock one more time in regulation, and maybe they get the ball back to Aaron Rodgers with 45 seconds left instead of four seconds left. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers you know, get his team in a position for a game-winning field goal in less time before. So it was a, an egregious mistake. I mean, he's got Connor Lewis, who's their assistant quarterback's coach, He's one of the guys up in the booth, and this is as long as they've had replay, right? Since Jerry Rice fumbled in San Francisco and they didn't have replay until now, you've had guys up in the booth who have the TV screens to look at mm-hmm. who can tell you, since you can't see it on the sideline unless you're looking at the scoreboard, whether or not you should challenge. And Connor Lewis is up there, LaFleur said, telling him, I don't think so. Don't challenge this. And then he went and dropped the red flag anyway. So it was. It was a boneheaded decision. He owned it, which I respect the heck out of him for. But yeah, it was a, it was, it was just stupid. It was a, he called it a hail mary, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it was. Which would have been better than that ridiculous play they ran at the end of regulation when Randall Cobb inexplicably lateraled the ball <laughs> to Elton Jenkins. You're tied. The game is tied. Yeah. If they pick up that ball and right. return it for a touchdown, you lose. Exactly. Yeah, wasn't thinking. So Aaron said he went and gave himself a pep talk at halftime with some help from David Bakhtiari. What do you think that consisted of? <laughs> you suck. That's exactly <laughs> um, what Dave said. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. He said he, he doesn't usually play two terrible halves. The first half was terrible, but let's be honest. Uh, the second half, 
not much better, yeah. right? Like, certainly he made some more plays, but I thought he missed some throws that I was like, what is going on? Right. Like, the, the, uh, just such surprising uh, bad throws. And, and and yet, you know, if if Romeo Dobbs is able to hold on to that touchdown, um, what a thrilling way to come back and, and win, right? I mean, the, the touchdown to Dobbs to tie it and then, to get the game winner there, if he if he holds on to it, like that was that was a, they they showed me a lot. Now that said, and this was my point to Rogers after the game when I asked my question, like you know you did this against a third string quarterback who had lost one of he didn't have his best receiver one of his best receivers he lost his tight end. Like your defense is not playing anywhere near as well as they were hyped up to be this off season. Can can you keep winning this way? Is this sustainable? And I thought his answer was fantastic about basically saying, no, it's not sustainable, and you can't, we could not lose this game. You cannot fall to 2-2 two and two and get beat by a third-string quarterback. And they found a way to win, and there's a chance that they could win all these games leading into that matchup with Buffalo. So they could be 6-1, and one, and I still won't know exactly how good they are, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they, they don't play many good teams between now and then either. Well, that's a good thing, though. And I personally think it's a good thing that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to dominate a game for the Packers to win. That is true, although they certainly need him to make the plays like he did on... You know, I thought the biggest play of the game, frankly, to get them going again uh, was the pass he threw to Alan Lazard up the right sideline. It's third and ten. LaFleur said uh, he was worried that if they... Uh, did, if they went three and out there, that he'd get booed out of the stadium. Uh, so that was a huge play, and it obviously got them going uh, after not getting much going in the first half. So that was, I, again, I just I understand that there's not style points, but you know, you look at what they did last week. I know it's Tom Brady, but that's an offense that obviously was missing all of its best receivers. And they had a really tough time, but they won. But they're going to go to London, and the New York Giants could be down to their third-string quarterback. The, they're, they're without their top two guys. So it, the, the things are falling their direction that are allowing them. And this is what I told you guys from the very start of training camp, that this looked to me like a team that was going to struggle that was going to figure itself out throughout the season and then be one of the teams that you just don't want to play late in the year and in the playoffs. The good news for them is that they're struggling and yet they're still winning during this phase. So as the Packers do get ready for London, how does their schedule change for their daily uh, workouts and routines? So their schedule changes because they're going to go to London on Thursday. And I think they're following a very similar schedule as the Vikings used. And the Vikings won yesterday in London. Um, you know, I think what they're trying to do is minimize the amount of disruption that such a long trip creates. Um, but, you know, to me, I'm more curious about, and, and we'll see how the game goes in London, obviously, next Sunday. I'm really curious about how they play the following week against the Jets at home. They had the opportunity to take the bye week right after their mm-hmm. London trip, which is a lot of travel. And instead, they and the Giants both said, no thanks. I think the Vikings did the same thing. So they're going to play the following week after that long flight back 
on Sunday after the game and getting back in the wee hours of Monday or whatever their schedule ends up being. It's going to be really interesting to see how that affects them the following week, but obviously they have to beat the Giants first. I'm talking to Jason Wilde. Jason, a couple of special teams plays, especially the one where they down the kick right there at the one or one and a half yard line. Uh, has anybody broached the subject or has anybody, I should say prior to the Raiders' first win, brought up to Rich Bisaccia, who was the head coach of the Raiders for a while last year, that they were winless? Had anybody talked to him about that? Uh, no, no one talked to him about that. I will say this, and, and you know, I, I tease you a little bit um, about your Italian <laughs> background from time to time, but Rich Bisaccia has impressed me to such an incredible degree. Really? Um, he is, you know, and, and look, I don't want to disparage the other special teams coaches I've covered in 27 years. Um, there have been some guys that I think were overmatched, frankly, uh, and some guys that were good guys who had good ideas but maybe didn't have the players because of the way Ted built the roster. But Rich Bisaccia, man, like there are very few people – that you you are around them and as a reporter and you're like okay if this guy told me to run through that wall over there i think i'd do it Mm -hmm. like he has just been such an impressive addition and he's 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 blunt and honest he gets after his players and yet gives them you know the kind of love and support at the same time like he's just i'm just fascinated by him And, and i wrote a piece for the athletic last week about him and and about how how they turned things around in the first couple weeks. But, you know, Rodgers made the comment that he just wants to break even on special teams. And obviously they didn't do that last year in the playoff game. They lost in a huge way on special teams. They're not they're more than breaking even. Like they're not making critical errors. They're not allowing big returns. They're not having kicks blocked. But they're also doing things right that are helping them with field position like the way Pat O'Donnell is punting the ball and the way they've got those flyers on the outside coming down and either covering the kick, downing the kick, or being right in the returner's face so we have to fair catch it. One last quick question. Who do you think has a bigger bromance with Aaron, Pat McAfee or Bill Belichick? I'm just curious. Hey, yeah. Uh, as a guy who uh, was once called a toady in print by a unscrupulous reporter, um, uh, those guys make me look like an amateur in terms of how much I like Aaron Rodgers. You know what? That was spot on right there. That was right. I don't know if you saw Belichick, but before and after the yeah. game, I mean, it was. It's pretty interesting. And Aaron had nice things to say about him as well. Yeah. So, and I think he how really. About, how about Rodgers? How about Rodgers wearing a cut-off sleeved hoodie to his press conference after the game? as an homage to that ridiculous-looking look that uh, Bill Belichick likes to have on the sideline. Only Aaron would think of that, though. Yeah. That was pretty cool, I thought. True. That's true. All You're right. exactly right. He we'll, is the only one. We'll talk right. to you later in the week uh, as the Packers are on their way to London, my friend. All right. Sounds great, everybody. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wildey, our Green and Gold Insider from ESPN, co-host of William Tausch, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and part of what we do here on the Morning KLH.